0: Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today we continue our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. The Times Talk is a weekly current events and ideas symposium that takes place at noon, Wednesdays in the Ina Dillard Russell Library on the campus of Georgia College in downtown Milledgeville. These events are free and open to the public, so if this discussion sparks your interest, please consider joining the conversation at noon, Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. Our topic of conversation for this time's talk is community and police relations. My guest is Georgia College criminal justice professor Sarah Buckdown. Sarah, welcome back to WRGC 88.3 FM.
1: Thank you, Daniel.
0: So... I think that this is a topic that I think it covers the waterfront. We hear a lot about this on the news from a national perspective. I think there's also a statewide perspective that we explore. And in these last years, we've also had to focus on this as a local issue as well. And so you presented an article. It was from the New York Times opinion pages, and it was entitled um, The Political Lies About Police Brutality. You know, it does focus on, you know, some of the harmful effects of some of the things that we've been seeing in the news uh, recently. And I, I would say even, you know, perhaps uh, throughout you and I's adulthood and consciousness, mm-hmm. um, I would say probably starting off with the Rodney King beatings in Los Angeles during the early 90s. Of the, you know?
1: 93 or 94. Mm-hmm.
0: And then I think really coming to a fever pitch in these last years where we've been exposed to more and more citizen-gathered documentation of really negative effects uh, with the police. And, you know, I, w- I do want to start there to stay true to the, the articles you're presenting, but I hope that we'll also get to some of the other sides of the paradigm, uh, those that uh, we don't consider newsworthy, but perhaps we should. Right. Uh, to start off with, as we are a media organization here, Could you describe the relationship between law enforcement in the community as presented by the media?
1: Often at night on the nightly programs, you'll see little stories that'll show, look how great your cops are. However, when you get on other forms of media, like Facebook, there'll be a blow up of video recordings of minorities getting shot whether it be for a reason or not a reason, as in they are unarmed. So I think there's sort of a false dichotomy as far as cops are bad, cops are good in our society. And that also depends on your perception and where you're sitting and your place in the culture. as socioeconomic status, gender, race, sexuality. One of the things about police brutality and the media is that some of these videos are played over and over and over and over, so we see it as more of a problem than maybe it is, right? But also at the same time, if you have one of those videos, that's problematic. And if you
0: have that interaction... Then it's extremely, extremely problematic. Yes,
1: yes. So one of these videos should be enough for us to be like, we should look into how we train police, how we educate them, all of those things. Because there is a race element to it. We found this through all kinds of research on New York stop and frisk data. Also, you have two Department of Justice reports of civil rights violations by two police departments. Baltimore Police Department just came out like a couple weeks ago, the DOJ report, and it reported systemic attitudes (laughs) that included racism. And same with the Ferguson DOJ report. So these things are happening, and of course, Within every occupation, there are people that are really good at their job, and there are people who are horrible at their job, right? I personally don't like to generalize a whole place based on their one officer that was a horrible, horrible jerk and misused his authority. So when you're talking about how the media presents it, it kind of depends on where you go. Facebook, you're more likely to see more stuff about Black Lives Matter and the actual videos. But then you have some national news organizations that will talk about the issue of police brutality and then present how their police chief perceives it, even though it probably hasn't happened in their town. He's speaking from his viewpoint. Which means it's probably a little biased.
0: And so we're about out of time in this segment, but I thought, you know, if we could reflect for a minute or so about what is the ideal relationship that we want to have with law enforcement in our communities?
1: One of trust. <laughs> when I get pulled over and I know I'm speeding, I expect to get a speeding ticket. I don't expect to get anything less or anything more. I expect for my constitutional rights to be not violated. Um, However, my experience is different because I'm a white woman, and I trust police because I work with them. So I would hope that to be the standard. And anything less, even if you're arresting someone and they ran from you and you want to beat them up, that no, somebody else will stop you if you're an officer or... Hey, I shouldn't do that. I know he made me mad. I'm going to stop right here. And that's sort of thinking that some people don't have. And so having minimum expectations of being treated decent.
0: Well, we're going to take a short break right now, but if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're talking about the relationships between communities and their law enforcement. My guest is Georgia College criminal justice professor Sarah Buck Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're continuing our partnership with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. Our Times Talk topic for the day is community and police relationships. And in the studio with me is Georgia College criminal justice professor Sarah Buck Dowd. Now, I want to continue our conversation about where we left off. Um, where you're talking about you know, what the expectation might be if your interaction with a law enforcement officer goes south. Uh, they're extenuating circumstances you decide to run, etc. Now, we've seen a lot of incidents of questionable use of force broadcast across the media. And it seems like, again, it's coming to a fever pitch at this point. What we haven't seen a lot of are, you know, convictions of law enforcement officers for these uses of questionable force. And so that has me wondering, you know, what are the laws governing the use of force or, you know, the interactions between community members and law enforcement?
1: The use of force and the use of force continuum, they're both theories from policing. I'm not exactly positive if state law outlines it, but I know within policing mandate school, they go through what's acceptable here, what's acceptable at baton level. And so if you go beyond that, our criminal justice system has set up a couple of ways in order to seek relief from the officer who presumably did this out of ill will. Most departments have a citizen complaint center, and that would be more of a disciplinary method through the police department. Also, you got civil suits. You can civilly sue the officer that assaulted you, and through the civil court, the burden of proof is much lower. So civil court could be an alternate to criminal court, and then also the state brings charges against the officer. Oftentimes what I've seen from those cases within the past couple of years is that juries aren't willing to convict an officer for what they perceive as him doing his job, right? It's a continuum. It's no clear cut in not every situation is going to go where you go, oh, I can go to this next force and tase this guy, you know, instead of, well, should I go for my gun now? It's never talked out like that in your head. You're, these are all happening a split <laughs> second, if even right.
0: that slowly.
1: Right, because the perception I would think amongst most cops is all these people are out to harm you when i teach students who want to be cops the number one thing they say the reason why they want to go into law enforcement is to help people it's to help people however when you get out there to help the people some of them might not want your help so this is where things like burnout occur alcoholism All types of other social issues just within the police subculture. That's not an easy job, right? So I think it takes a toll on all parties involved. Of course, the community is going to be harmed if they see that a police officer shot the town grandson and his car and he's white and a good boy and all that stuff. There's going to be outrage. However, that case hadn't happened yet. Once that case happens, if it happens, I hope it doesn't, I'm pretty sure there will be riots in the streets because it happened to our white kid, our all-American white kid. Mm. Race is definitely there.
0: but we've seen that happen in the black community, though. And I think the case of, of Philando Castile is probably as close of a parallel as we're going to get in this conversation right now, in which, you know, you had a law-abiding citizen well-known within you know, his community uh, for working with young people at his job. He was also a um, concealed carry permit owner mm-hmm. and, you know, was, was trying—now, I don't know the specifics of the case— I was not there. You know, I've been exposed to the aftermath the same as everyone else. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, the popular story is that he was trying to alert the officer to the fact that he was a law-abiding, Second Amendment-supporting citizen, and he gets shot by a police officer who, you know, is probably, as you said, fearful for his life in a community that he has sworn to protect but that does not always have his back. In a community that really neither you nor I you know, belong to, is the outrage at this to the point where it should be justified or out of context?
1: I think this outrage amongst Black Lives Matter movement is totally legit. If you know anything about policing history, just go back to the civil rights movement. The police brutality was there. We just don't call it that, right? The dogs that Bull Connor used,
0: those weren't illegal, y'all. They weren't also (laughs) unmandated within popular public sentiment either. (laughs) So the legality of it. Has nothing to do with it, and you know that is the case with the with the laws that we have. Some crimes don't get prosecuted because the community doesn't see them as crimes.
1: Correct, correct, and I mean historically, that's huge, especially in southern towns. So I think with Rodney King, that was our first picture as a white person. I was very young. That was the, my first taste of, oh, my gosh, this could be the real life of black people in L.A. This is what they go through, and they're writing about it. And even then, I saw the justification in rioting. You know, one of the things a police officer is supposed to do is to protect us, right? And when they're the ones beating certain segments of the population, of course there's going to be a lack of trust there. So how do you get that trust back and all those things is a whole nother matter. A lot of people would say within the elementary school, start there with the student resource officers all the way up. Some people would say increase ethics training. Uh, There was a New York Times article out yesterday that New Orleans PD, which has a history, horrible history of abuses. They are training officers to police other officers about behaviors that could become problematic in the future and hopefully catching the behaviors of one another prior to an explosion of anger.
0: Well, we're going to take another short break, but if you're just joining us, I'm talking with Georgia College criminal justice professor Sarah Buck Dowd. And the topic of this Time's Talk conversation is the relationship between the community and law enforcement officers. So stay tuned for more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today we are continuing with our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. Of course, the Times Talk is a weekly, free, and open to the public event that takes place at noon, Wednesdays, at the Georgia College Library. So if you're enjoying our conversation, or if you have an opinion that you would like to share, Please come out and join the discussion at noon Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. Today we're talking about the relationship between the community and law enforcement. My guest is Georgia College criminal justice professor Sarah Buck Dowd. Now, for our final segment of this program, I wanted to go directly back to the article Political Lies About Police Brutality. And I want to just kind of quote from the article in which they're talking about a— Implication made by James Comey, the director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, in which he was saying that this heightened scrutiny of police behavior, in part because of these viral videos that we've been exposed to, was leading officers to avoid confrontations with suspects, thus contributing to an increase in crime. And I want to quote directly from the article. There is no data suggesting such an effect, and certainly Mr. Comey has none. But his suggestion plays into the right-wing view that holding the police to constitutional standards endangers the public. And so uh, my question about this is, can there be a proper balance found in which you protect people's constitutional rights as well as ensure public safety? Is that possible? And if not, what is the give and take that we as a society will accept in this regard?
1: This is a debate specifically within the criminal justice system that, that sways, right? They're in the 70s. We gave a lot of inmates rights because their rights were being harshly, harshly violated, their constitutional rights. So they got more relief through the courts. So, as far as policing goes, With um, your civil rights over public policy, there is some balance that can be found. We have had the Declaration of Independence (laughs) and uh, the Constitution for a long, long time, and we've had police officers for a long time. We can figure this out. There has to be a specific way I go to jail that makes other people feel okay, right? Right? Public safety has been achieved. I'm talking about me as the suspect. They haven't abused her, taken away her right. So if you start treating people with their civil rights intact, in the long run, you're going to have less civil suits, less criminal suits. If you obey what our founders (laughs) told us about rights, I don't see how this is a problem. I don't see how granting someone their civil rights while being arrested, right?
0: Or even suspected.
1: Or even suspected harms public safety, okay? The way I see it is it actually helps public safety because the people who are not being arrested see this situation where I'm arrested correctly And that trend would take off as far
0: as trust goes. And it would lessen a lot of lawsuits. Well, another thing that I don't think that we have addressed exactly is it also will keep some people who have perpetrated crimes in jail and they don't get a um, get out of jail free card for bad procedure. Uh, Because that's, you know, one thing that we've also seen in the past is that if you violate someone's civil rights in the act of suspecting someone or arresting someone, you know, sometimes that transgression is enough that they go free and they get to commit crime another day.
1: Right. Exactly. And we don't want that to happen. So I really feel like um, when I'm teaching my students who are future police officers, many of them like i said they come in and say i want to help people and i think that is good that is great and we talk about ethics how do you ethically help someone when you are the enforcement of our state's laws
0: as we look at training that next generation of police officers what additional thoughts need to be imbued into that that training that teaching that goes on in our classrooms here that will help make us better in the future?
1: Well, I think one thing that's really important if you're getting a criminal justice education is that you look at the racial biases in criminal justice. I think it's something you would have to be blind to not see. If you sit down and look at it, we need to look at that and address that. We can see from the 80s on who bore the brunt of the war on crime. How did we even get to this point, right? What crimes caused this population to be in jail? So you sort of start backwards in the sense that, oh my gosh, we have this huge population of children without fathers because their fathers are in prison. How did the father get in prison? Go all the way back and you'll find lots of social problems, lots and lots of social problems. and. One of the things that police officers do that's not really in their, um, you know, job description is go handle social problems between individuals. Another part I try to use with my students is putting them from the perspective that they have all done something wrong. I know this for a fact. They have. Um, If they were caught or not, doesn't matter. We've all done something
0: wrong. And I guess this is the lesson of how would you like to have been treated had you been caught for what you had done? Right. And allowing that to inform your, it's almost like a customer satisfaction approach to law enforcement. I can almost hear heads exploding on the other side <laughs> yes. of the microphone. But that here. is a
1: trend in policing is the customer satisfaction approach, same in academia, but um, But that's why we have citizen review boards. I mean, people report bad stuff. People report good stuff. The point I feel like I try to get to my students is that you are no different than that person calling you about the domestic assault. That could be your mom. That could be you, (laughs) right? So let's try to get in there and understand where they're coming from. And how do you do that? Well, I put my students in a—I give them a lot of scenarios, and we cover background. And we do try to, to some extent, Monday morning quarterback it. Mm.
0: And so we're about out of time for our conversation today, and I, I want to ask you the the perennial last Times Talk question, which is, what do you hope that um, their audience members on Wednesday get out of this conversation?
1: I hope the students and people in the room after Tom's talk realize that police brutality is a wrong in itself. You're violating people's basic civil rights. If I went up at me not being an enforcer of the law, if I pointed a gun at you, I would get charged as a criminal. (laughs) Right. However, something about me having a gun and being an agent of the law allows me to do that, okay? Allows me to point a gun at you. So when you look at it that way, of course you're going to expect better standards from the person. State mandate, he can point a gun at you. I would hope you would want... Um, It's criminal depending on who you are, right? And it impacts different groups of people, different ways. My perception of police, very different than my friend James, who's in Jackson, Mississippi, right, who gets pulled over sometimes two times a day, you know? So I know my case is different. However, we can all treat each other more human even at the risk of public safety. Nobody knows if I'm carrying a cell phone or a gun either, but some reason I'm always trusted.
0: Well, Sarah, thank you very much for joining me on this edition of Georgia College Connections. I do appreciate uh, what is a very complex and sometimes difficult conversation even had between you know, two folks like me and you who are on the same side of this paradigm most of the time. You've been listening to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. This episode was a part of our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversation to our radio audience. Today, we talked with criminal justice professor Sarah Buckdown about the relationship between communities and the law enforcement officers who are sworn to protect them. I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. I appreciate you spending a portion of your evening with us here on Georgia College Connections, and I look forward to convening with you next time.